If you've lost your vision, your energy, or your mojo, then this show is for you. Whether it's your health, career, relationships, it's time to reclaim and discover your best life yet. Award-winning journalist and TV host, Gail Guayardo, will touch, move, and inspire you in this entertaining, fast-paced, and informative podcast as Gail has helped thousands of people achieve massive, life-changing transformations. Here's your host, Gail Guayardo. America. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. The statistics are staggering. One person dies every 34 seconds in this country. And poor diets and lifestyles are leading to more than 37 million people with diabetes, many who don't even know they have it. And 96 million Americans are pre-diabetic. So what's going on? Why is it so easy to get a handle on something like AIDS, yet a non-communicable diseases are simply out of control? Something has to change. And our next guest, Alex Cleveland, is leading the conversation on non-communicable diseases worldwide with an evidence-based review of key research and strategies to develop sustainable solutions. Alex, welcome to the Bloom Bonus Podcast. Thank you, Gail. It's great to be with you again. So, Alex, I know you came on our nationally syndicated show, which, by the way, just went global not long ago. We got picked up by even more syndicators, so we're super excited. And um, you brought to the table a very, very interesting conversation um, about non-communicable versus communicable diseases. And I want to deep dive into that. But first, I want to get to know a little bit about you, because the name of this podcast is your story, your health, your best life. So talk to me about your background. Yeah, no, thanks, Gal. First of all, congratulations. It's very exciting that you're taking this globally and really you're doing so much. I think for our country, it's great to hear that you're going to expand that reach. Um, so uh, my background is in healthcare. I spent 16 years in uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, and for about half of that time, I was in the area of research, development, medical. Um, and a few years ago, I was part of a, a small team who um, wrote this white paper that you're referring to on the burden of non-communicable diseases. Um, so I'm happy to be here today talking with you and your audience about this, this crisis that we're in and what, can, um, what strategies can be implemented to reduce the burden. So what is going wrong with this country? It seems like we're a runaway train. We've never spent more on healthcare. People are, you know, backlogged trying to get in to see their healthcare providers, yet we just keep getting sicker. I mean, the obesity numbers, the, you know, diabetes numbers, the heart disease number, mental health. I mean, when we talk, you know, non-communicable diseases, you can cast that net pretty wide. Pretty wide, yeah. In fact, you, you've listed some of the major um, contributors to, uh, or major uh, diseases within NCDs. NCDs or non-communicable diseases is a, you know, an umbrella category. So it's essentially a disease that's not transmissible from person to person. Um, the another term for it would be chronic disease. 
Um, and you've listed off some of the, the top um, diseases that are contributing to mortality today. So um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancers, um, chronic respiratory disease. Um, so 71% of global death today is, is attributable to one of these non-communicable diseases. Um, and that's death, right? If we also think about just disability and morbidity, um, someone with, you know, whether it's uh, uh, major depression or um, uh, chronic pain can live with a disability that impacts their quality of life so drastically. Um, if you think about chronic pain, 20% of the disability today is attributable to uh, lower back pain. And if somebody has you know, a disability, they might not be able to work, which impacts their ability to um, you know, earn an income. They may be depressed or um, they, you know, they can uh, be very isolated. So it can just be this, this just trajectory that just compounds itself over time. So, you know, you, you work, you've worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And so you must know that we are a really, really medicated <laughs> um, country, probably, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I heard statistics at one time, I don't know if this still holds true, but in the United States, we consume more pharmaceutical medicines or we're prescribed more pharmaceutical um, medicines than the world combined. So you would think mm -hmm. that with all of these advancements that we wouldn't be having this problem. So why do you think it is? And I thought it was interesting because when you appeared on Bloom, you know, you, you compared it to the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And how through a groundswell and through everybody joining forces and moving in the right direction, you know, yes, there's still a lot that needs to be done uh, when it comes to HIV and AIDS. But, you know, compared to so what, so what we're talking about right now, um, it, it seems like they made some major headway where these non-communicable diseases are just floundering around. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you've touched on on a couple of of things here, right? So one, why why do we turn to medicine, right? And I think it part of the reason is NCDs can go um, undiagnosed for years. Um, so, and what can often happen is we get beyond the point of beyond the pill solutions, right? So just healthy diet, you know, getting people back on course. And now they're in a situation of really um, scary situation where they need to turn to medicines. So I think that's one thing. If we could get better at early education and early screening, uh, that would make a big impact. You know, if I use China, actually, there's a, a really just dramatic example in China. So it's estimated that today, 245 million people living in China have uh, high blood pressure or hypertension. Of that, those 245 million, only 115 million, so less than half, even know they have it. So if we can just reduce that gap, those people would have more access to early treatment. What did you find out? You touched on this slightly. What did you find out in the mental health realm? Because I will tell you, um, I'm, I'm kind of new to this area. I have a family member that is struggling, so I'm, I'm alongside 
this person on their journey. Um, you know, it is uh, mind blowing to me how difficult it is to get mental health care in this country and how expensive mm -hmm. it is. Expensive, difficult to diagnose for a number of reasons, right? There's shame often, unfortunately, associated with it. People don't seek the right help. Quite often, someone with a chronic condition may develop depression as a comorbidity because they're isolated. They can't move around the way they used to. They may not be able to work. It creates this, you know, this perfect storm of things happening inside this person that really makes it difficult. Um, I was actually listening to a really interesting episode of Fresh Air, um, the NPR podcast um, this morning, and they had a gentleman on speaking um, about kids or uh, teenagers today who are struggling with depression and why. Why is the trajectory of this population segment on um, such an increase versus 30 years ago? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of research here, there's a lot of different opinions about what's going on inside a person's body versus what's going on in their mind or in their environment. Um, so I, I think it's just a really complex situation of our healthcare system not giving us what we need and just the environment that people are in creating stress. Um, it's just making it very difficult. Yeah, I mean, the healthcare system as it is, I mean, you know, 2023 health trends show that, you know, a lot of people are going to direct primary care, meaning that they're willing to pay out of pocket at a lesser mm -hmm. charge than to get in sucked into the healthcare system and with all the insurance loopholes that you've got to run through. I mean, it's just really become unaffordable to get the care that you need. You're paying these huge deductibles. You're never covered when you need to be covered. And I think that, I don't know, you're, you did the deep dive on the research, but I think that's a big problem with why people aren't getting the care that they need. I agree. I think, um, yes, I think one, um, I think what you're probably referring to about this direct primary care is like value-based care. There there's this big surge in companies offering value-based care, meaning you pay for results, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then I think you're also touching on how fragmented our healthcare system in, is and the lack of coordination of care. So um, in the United States today, someone can see upwards of 15 different physicians a year. And very frequently, those physicians are not talking to each other. It's not being coordinated which besides just being wasteful of your time and expense, it could create a very dangerous situation for a patient if their primary care physician isn't speaking to an ER physician, isn't speaking to a specialist. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I'm, if God forbid I get sick today, there is a snowball's chance in hell that I'm going to be able to get an appointment at my primary care doctor when I need to be seen. Yeah. Now I will go into an urgent care facility and get good treatment. But to your point, nobody's communicating. Nobody really knows. I'm just haphazardly filling out forms. I mean, it's a convoluted mess. So what, what did you figure out um, in all your research? I mean, is there, is there a way to sustain um, some, some kind of, you know, solution yeah, I mean, there, there are efforts, um, especially around electronic records, right? So that someone has sort of a footprint 
that's following them around when they see one doctor, there are electronic records speak with other electronic records. So there is, there are efforts being made, but it's it's not just one sector that's going to be able to solve this, right? You, you mentioned HIV, that took a groundswell of efforts from multilateral organizations, governmental organizations, private industry, patients, just coming together and saying, this can't be sustained. We have to do something. Um, and we are seeing, like I would say in the past 10 years, there has been more of a global focus on NCDs, whether it's just looking at, you know, heart disease or cancers or looking at the umbrella. In fact, about 10 years ago, the U United Nations included NCD targets in uh, their sustainable development goals. Um, and then specifically, uh, the they've established targets for each country, each member country participates, um, aimed to, to reduce uh, death from NCDs by 30% by 2030. So, and there's, there's quite a bit of country participation, whether they're on track mm -hmm. is another issue. Some are on track, some aren't, some are going in a very wrong direction, um, but it's being talked about. And the WHO in support of that at the World Health Organization um, also published what they called their best buys for NCD reduction, which is essentially 16 strategies that countries can implement that are both um, cost-effective and feasible to implement. And it's estimated that for every US dollar invested in these strategies, it will yield $7 in return. So it looks like in some, in some you know, areas, we are headed in the right direction. I think so. I, th I think so. Efforts are being made like chipped away at but you know i think this we keep coming back to this overriding theme which is it's not enough and it needs to be coordinated it just you know you you can bang your head against the wall and on you know in, in one area one sector but unless we get everybody um working together it's it's going to be a real uphill climb and when you say everybody working together you're talking about medical professionals, insurance companies, lawmakers. Yes, exactly. Governments, um, researchers, universities, um, you know, to your point, lawmakers, there's such a, you'll, you see some um, social determinants of health, specific, specifically social determinants of um, chronic disease management. If someone can't afford to take off from work mm -hmm. or can't afford to get to a doctor, how are they going to get screened or get treatment? Um, exactly. I mean, really, it's really, really sad in this country that the quality of healthcare that you receive is directly related to your zip code. Yeah. And, you know, people in affluent zip codes are just stroking a check for the kind right. of care they need if they're not getting it. Um, you know, in the system, it, it, it's, it's a really sad state of affairs. It really is when you think we're the, the wealthiest country, you know, in the world. And yet we've got just such a problem with our healthcare. Yeah. As you know, just blanket statement, you know, across the board, not just NCDs. Yeah. So again, 
coming back to the the name of this this podcast, your story, which we've heard your background, your health. We're talking about you know how we are as a nation. Um, your best life is the last leg of this. So what do people need to do? I mean, obviously, I don't want people to get depressed after this because the wheel is so big. And if we're waiting for the government to figure out how to do things, you know, we wouldn't be in the state that we're in right now. You know, um, insurance companies are out of control. I think a lot of people have lost faith in that. And the healthcare system is overburdened and they don't have the, um, you know, the head, they, they don't even have the head count that they need to take exactly. care of all of the sick people out there. So what can we do as individuals to make a difference in our own lives? That is such a powerful question. And I'm, I'm so glad you asked it because there are things that we as individuals can do. We empower ourselves, right? So I think it's education on those modifiable risk factors. So um, if you think about, um, uh, uh, sedentary lifestyle, use of tobacco, um, uh, excessive drinking, unhealthy diet. If we intervene and actually take steps um, to keep ourselves healthier, then that actually those four risk factors alone could reduce um, the number of deaths from heart disease, stroke and diabetes by 80%. So, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic statement, right? So if we empower ourselves and don't sit back and say, well, you know, it's terrible. Look what's happening to us and no one can get their act together. There are things that we can do. Sure. Um, and if we make sure we get those screenings, get your colonoscopy when you turn 50, get your mammograms, these things, if we can catch them, if we can catch th these diseases before they get out of control, we have a better shot, obviously, of living a better life and living. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, Alex. I, I appreciate you joining us on Bloom, uh, the broadcast, and I certainly appreciate you joining us on the Bloom Bonus Podcast because this is the space where we get to talk to people that are experts in their fields like yourself, a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a deep dive. So I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you, Gail. Thank you for doing this. I mean, it, the more people can learn, the more we can take control. So I really appreciate you. That's it for today's episode of Your Story, Your Health, Your Best Life with Gail Guardo. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value VIP day with Gail herself. Be sure to head on over to your story, your health, your best life podcast.com and pick up a free copy of Gail's gift and join us on the next episode.